just good. That was a good relaxing time. When we were at the rock conference, that was, uh, that was crazy. The day, the morning I was going to speak, I was going to walk, I, I was going to, I spoke on Monday morning and, uh, I took Emma to the restrooms, you know, daddy, I need to go to the bathroom. Okay. You know, take her into the bathroom. She, she does her thing and she turns around and goes to like the hand soap thing. And it's like the foamy soap. She pushes the foamy soap and goes, boom, right in her eye. Oh my goodness. Like I'm thinking, I was like, oh, what did you do? You know? So she's like, my eye. and I'm going, oh my goodness, what did you do? And you know, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? That's your first reaction. And I'm trying to rinse out the soap. And then my eye is, I know, baby, I'm going to do it. You know, so I mean, that was a bonding experience, but that was... Um, Crazy. So, that, honestly, that seriously was like, my vacation felt like a mixture between like fun, like relaxing, and that kind of craziness. So, there was a bit of both. What's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but the Rock Conference, very powerful. It's always fun to speak to the Rock, uh, to that church, and to be a part of that conference. And, uh, but nothing like being here. And being with you guys, my family, the, uh, it was powerful on um, a lot of powerful things that God did. I had a, personally, I just received just a tremendous breakthrough from the Lord. The Lord spoke to me in a profound way. But when I say breakthrough, I mean like a breakthrough in my own personal faith. And we saw some God do some really powerful things. Like on one evening, we got to lay hands on people and pray for them. And as I'm just praying for them, all of a sudden I'm getting all these prophetic words. It was so cool. You know, you're just like, Whoa, where'd that, you know, it's like, you don't really, because I was just blessing them and praying for the spirit to come upon them. And all of a sudden I'm getting these prophetic words and, you know, and the Lord's telling me stuff about them. So we start praying for healing for some of them. And it was really cool. But one day I'm at El Pollo Loco having lunch while, while my son dumps water on the seat. And, you know, it was just really, you know, that kind of thing. You know, you're like, you're like tired and hungry and just, just a mess, you know. I feel bad when we leave the restaurant. You're like, oh. Like, I, got on, I get on the floor. I clean it up, you know? Like, I, a little bit. I don't like really, but I'm like, I gotta, this is horrible, you know? But uh, this lady, the, or no, this, this gentleman turns around and says, excuse me, excuse me, you spoke at The Rock. And I go, yeah, yeah. And a lot of times I run into people because it's all the restaurants right there. So they thank me for preaching and they share with me that God spoke to them and give God the glory. And this gentleman says, yeah, you spoke at The Rock. I said, yeah. He says, my wife heard you. And then she's right there. And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was healed. See, the Lord gave Kurt a word of knowledge for stomach ulcers to be healed. And, and, and I had a couple other words of knowledge for back pain and, and things like that. And so we prayed for healing during my session. And she turns around to me and says, yeah, I've had, my stomach's been bloated for months. And it was cool the way she said it. She's like, nobody knows like what I've been going through, like pain and just that kind of thing. And she said that morning, she was really in pain. She wasn't going to go to the rock conference, but she decided to go anyways. And, you know, I'm preaching the word and then she hears the word of knowledge. And so I had everyone lay their hands on their back and their stomach, tell that pain to go. And so she told it to go and it went. And she was like, I was healed, you know? So it was pretty cool. Yeah, praise God. He gets all the glory. So we've seen some pretty cool stuff. I told somebody, I said, I know backs were healed. I just, nobody ever, nobody told me yet. And then uh, Carol Howe was at the conference and, uh, you know, her faith was really built up as, as all of us were. And, and obviously as the faith comes to be hearing, hearing by the word. But so after the rock, con- I get, I didn't know this. So she, her, her foot was, was an inch, I'm sorry, her leg was an inch shorter, one leg, one inch shorter than the other leg, probably, you know, hip issues or whatever. And after the rock conference, the Lord, or during the rock conference, uh, that last night, I think a lot of us had just a breakthrough from the Lord, and the Lord spoke to her about her leg being healed. So she goes out the next day and buys new shoes in faith before she was healed. Okay, so... We're at the, we're at that uh, movie night on Friday night at the, at the wards and I walk into the room, they're going to start the movie and they, I walk into the room and like Carol House sitting on the chair and they, Tom's got his tape measure out and I'm like, Tom tape measure Carol on the ground. This must be about healing. You know, I'm thinking, what's going on here? I don't know. I didn't know anything. I didn't know she needed healing or anything. So, oh, it was fun. We started praying for her to be healed. Oh man, we watched that leg grow. It was amazing. (laughs) 
It was so cool. Oh, man. That was so awesome. It was awesome, huh? Yeah, you walked in there. Oh, it, seriously, James goes, what's going on? I go, I feel the same way. But, <laughs> but uh, it was fun to be a part of it, and, and kind of it was a progressive thing over the course of, I don't know, a number of minutes. We just celebrated. She put the shoes on, and that and, yeah, was just amazing. So, uh, amazing, amazing. Oh, yeah, I mean, they got it on film. We'll, 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 have, we'll have Carol share as well. But uh, just powerful things, obviously, that the Lord is doing. And we've seen many people heal, healed in our church. I mean, uh, 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 nothing is impossible to God. You know, there's two people in our church that was healed of dyslexia. And somebody came up to me and asked me, because I've actually prayed for that at The Rock a couple of times. We prayed about for mind issues, but I've, seen, I've, I've, I've been at The Rock and just prayed for people and seen them healed of depression, like a chemical imbalance, as well as uh, some, some, some other mental things this guy was describing one time. He sent me an email and told me how he got free from it. But uh, yeah, the one, one person came up to me and said, I, I don't know how to read. Well, I said, now you do. <laughs> you know, I put, now I'm real gent. Can I put my hands on, on your head? And I told her, I told her the testimony of people being healed of dyslexia in our church. So I, man, I took authority over her mind and then I, and I gave her a word of wisdom. I said, you know, fear it also hinders. So I said, you step out in faith. You begin to do it. And, you know, maybe she'll need to go to school or something like that. I said, whatever you need to do, but you step out in faith, no fear, and you, and you stand on that word. And I said, the Lord's going to heal you. So that was pretty, pretty fun stuff. Pretty fun, but I'm glad to be back here with you guys um, and bring you the Word of God. You guys ready? All right. Oh, oh one more thing. That, that eschatology, right? Eschatology means the study of the end times. That class starts on Thursday, like Owen said. Uh, it's going to be powerful. We need to know about the end times uh, because we need to be ready. And so uh, it's burning on my heart. Uh, we're definitely going to answer a lot of the questions like, oh, when's the rapture going to happen? And who's the Antichrist? No, I mean, you know, that kind of thing. People, you have questions, you know, Revelation. I don't know. What's going on with Revelation? So, I, I, you know, I'm going to get, I gave you the good stuff, right? So if you've ever been interested in that kind of thing, oh, this is going to be good stuff. But let me tell you, we study the end times not for speculation, but for transformation. Amen. We need to be empowered. The church needs to be ready. And so I'm passionate because I, I believe that, you know, people need to be prepared for this. So I'm excited to, to give this to you, and I'll, I'll show, I'm just going to show you in the Word of God. I'll show you the different theories, and I'll show you in the Word of God. But it's going to build up your faith. It's going to get you on fire for Jesus, too, right? And, so the, and the love and respect, very, very practical this, uh, these next couple of weeks that we're going to be learning how a husband can motivate his wife and how a wife can motivate her husband. Oftentimes, we, um, we find uh, what the author of this, the, the series we're watching is called The Crazy Cycle. We find kind of we're at each other instead of learning how to love and respect one another. So very practical. So show up to that. It's going to be good stuff. But uh, let's pray, and we'll dive into Matthew chapter 4. All right, so Lord, we open our hearts to you right now. We ask that you would speak to us. Just tell the Lord, speak to me, Lord. We want to hear from you. We ask that you would give us a word that would change us, that would transform us from the inside out, and, uh, and, and cause there to be fruitfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so check this out. We've been... We've been, um, we'll, go, we'll just turn here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Listen to what uh, Matthew says about Jesus. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame spread, then his fame went throughout all uh, Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted in various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Right? This is how Jesus ministered, amen? That he would teach, preach, and heal. This is what he did, and often in that order. You'll find this pattern all throughout the Gospels and all throughout the book of Acts, that this is what Jesus did. This is what the disciples did. They went around and they taught people of the word of God and they preached the gospel of the kingdom. Notice it says the gospel of the kingdom. And what have we been learning about? What series are we in? You don't really need to know that. It's just, but we've been in a journey that the Lord has been telling us 
He's been, he's been uh, calling us to embrace the full gospel, right? A few weeks ago, if you don't remember, we started this series and I said the Lord is teaching us about the full gospel. And the full gospel is what? The gospel with power. The gospel with power. Jesus would go around teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What was he doing? Well, he was teaching about, you know, humility, right? Humility, prayer, and fasting. He would be preaching the gospel. What of a good dad? Hey, don't worry about your finances. God's a good dad. He's going to take care of you. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be added unto you, right? What was he doing? He's calling forth repentance. Hey, repent, change, follow God, for the kingdom of God has come. Right? He's, ta- he's teaching, he's preaching, he's telling people how the kingdom works. And what is he telling people, though? He said, I'm anointed. I'm the Christ. I'm the anointed one. And I've come to bind up broken hearts, to heal you, to give sight to the blind. Right? I've come to preach the gospel to the poor, to break off poverty, the oppression of poverty in people's life. He's come. And so he would teach and he would preach, but he would also do what? Demonstrate. Amen? He didn't just teach and preach. He demonstrated. Why? Because the full gospel, the true gospel, the gospel of the kingdom comes with power. Because this is a real king. Amen? With a real kingdom. And when he brings his kingdom, it impacts people's lives. Right? Where the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and there's poverty and oppression and sickness and disease because of the devil and because of human sin, Jesus comes to forgive sin, bring people to repentance, destroy the works of the devil, right? The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy all the works of the devil. He delivered those who were oppressed of the devil, right? That's what the scriptures say. And so what we see here is he went around teaching and preaching because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He'd come and teach people, telling them who God is, telling them, I'm anointed, I've come to bring you the kingdom. And then he would bring it, right? Lay his hands on people and he would heal them. He would cast out demons. And the kingdom of God would come with power to displace those broken things and those deceitful things and those dark things and he would bring healing and wholeness and the light of the gospel. Amen? Amen? So what is the Lord saying? The Lord is calling us to embrace the full gospel. But more than that, and I've said this to you before, I'm... I, I, the Lord spoke to me a while back before this series and he said the gospel with power. I got so excited. Really, Lord? Really? Because what he showed me was not just, hey, this is a nice little sermon, Dave. Here you go. Just, just, you know, here's a little something to fill your time. No, this is the word of the Lord. And what he told me was not just, oh, you guys should believe this or anything, although that is the invitation, isn't it? Whenever we hear the gospel, we need to say yes in our spirit, don't we? Even if you're like, oh, I don't really understand it. I don't know how this all works. You still say, yes, if it's from the word. Right? If it's not the word, you don't, don't believe it. But if it's in the word, you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Teach me. Show me. Yes. So we're saying yes to the full gospel. But let me tell you, this is more than just us saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. We want to share the gospel, Jesus. We want, we, want to, we want that. No, the Lord is saying. He's prophesying. I'm convinced of it. The Lord is declaring over us the water level of faith. The water level of confidence, the water level of compassion is going to rise in this church. It is rising in this church that we will be a church that believes the full gospel, that receives this for our own life, and that ministers this with boldness, with compassion. Amen? So this is what the Lord is saying. He's not just saying, hey, believe this, receive this, minister this, although that is the invitation to you. He is prophesying over your life. No matter where you're at in this, you're scared to share the gospel, you're not really sure about healing, for example, whatever. No, he says, the water level of your faith, your confidence, your compassion for people who are far from God, your boldness to share the gospel with power, to lay your hands on people and see them healed, it will rise. You might be like, well, I'm like a negative 10 on that scale you just described. That's all right, you're gonna become a one. Two, maybe a pen or something. Somebody says, oh, I'm starting to move in it. I'm starting to move in it. You know, people like Kurt, he's been really seeing people healed and moving in the prophetic uh, gift. He's going to grow. Amen, Kurt? I don't, he probably didn't hear me. He just walked in. Every one of us, we're going to rise in this, okay? And so this is the full gospel, the gospel of power, teaching, preaching, healing. And this is what Jesus did, all right? So, uh, look, uh, just jump over to Matthew 9, just a little bit further there, Matthew chapter 9. And look at verse 35, Matthew 9, 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. How many? That's what it says, right? What, what happened between Matthew 4 and Matthew 9? Matthew 4 was a statement about the beginning of Jesus' ministry. When he showed up on the scene, he had been baptized in water. He was baptized in the Spirit. Remember, Jesus was a man, yes? So he's God. Yes, he is. He's 100% God, and he's 100% man. The Word became flesh, and when the Word became flesh, it became what? It's not a difficult question. When the Word became flesh, it became? Flesh. When the Word became flesh, the Word became? So Jesus really became a human being, right? God became a man. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. That means he was in one location, right? He wasn't omniscient. He wasn't omnipotent. He, wasn't, he didn't get, couldn't do everything. He, did. he only did miracles after he was baptized in the power of the Spirit. Once he was baptized in the power of the Spirit, he came teaching, preaching, and healing, and casting out demons, always in the power of the Spirit. As a man empowered by the Spirit, all right, we'll, 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 I'll talk to you more about that later. But he really is, man, he's in one location, one physical location. God chose the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, chose to become a human being, and he was in one physical location. He was not omnipresent, right? Now, praise God, right now, Jesus is God and man still, right? Right now, Jesus is in heaven with a glorified human body with scars. He is God and man. Praise God, I mean... He can do anything and go anywhere, you know what I'm saying? Now he's like all over the place, right? He's living in us by his spirit. Praise God. But he is still, even now, God and man. He's a human being. And so, but when he was on earth, he was moving in the power of the spirit as a human being and powered by the spirit. And you see that Matthew 4 is the beginning of his ministry. And you see, if you read Matthew 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, reading up to Matthew 9, what was he doing? He was teaching preaching and healing. You read it. He talks about the Sermon on the Mount and how we're supposed to love and turn the other cheek. And he's talking about the way of the kingdom, how to live in the kingdom, the way of grace. And then he goes and he heals a sick woman and he raises a little girl from the dead and he cleanses a leper and he does all this kind of stuff. And then in Matthew chapter nine, we get another summary that guess what he's doing? He's doing the same thing, teaching, preaching, and healing. But look in verse 36. Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, tens of thousands of people following him, coming to hear him and to be healed, he sees the multitudes. He's teaching them the kingdom. He's preaching the gospel. He's healing them. And yet when he sees these multitudes that he's ministering to, it says he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were, like, were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, truly, I'm sorry, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus sees the multitude and he's broken and he's moved with compassion. Why? Because he sees the brokenness inside of them, doesn't he? Remember, this is the one for whom everything was made, right? We've been learning about Jesus' passion and desire for people. Everything was created for Jesus. He loves every single person, doesn't he? Every single human being that has ever been created, every human being on the face of this earth, man, woman, child, African, Asian, European, American, Pakistani, Iraqi, Right? Muslim, Buddhist, he created them and they were made for him. Amen? He loves them. And when he looks out on the multitudes here in this story, he sees what? Sheep without a shepherd. The Bible says each of us are like sheep. We've each gone to our own way. It's referring to our own self-righteousness, sin, and rebellion. What is he seeing? He looks out and his heart is broken, moved with compassion. Why? Because these are the ones that I love. These are the ones that were created for me to be my inheritance, right? He's moved with a jealous love, a passionate desire that they would be his, right? That the nations, the people would be his. But he also sees that they have a disease, an incurable disease called sin, that unless they receive forgiveness by his blood, 
He's the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to him except through the Father. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Unless they receive the cure by the blood of Jesus, they cannot be forgiven. And they cannot be made right with him. So he's moved and he's broke with compassion because here are these people oppressed in poverty, oppressed by demons, believing lies, sick, hurting, broken, making stupid choices in their life. And he looks out and he says, They need a shepherd, they need healing and deliverance. They need salvation. And he's broken. He's moved with compassion because they need him. They need him because he wants them. Amen? This is his love. This is his compassion. And he turns to these disciples. And he says to them, the harvest is truly plentiful. The labors are few. And the next thing he does, verse 1 of chapter 10, as he says, And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them what? Power. Power. Yes? He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Did that sound just like the thing he was just doing? Amen? Amen. Why? Because just as Jesus was sent, so we are sent, right? John 20. Just as the Father sent Jesus, so he has sent us. Just like Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, so we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? If he was led by the Spirit, we need to be led by the Spirit. And if he was empowered by the Spirit, we need to be empowered by the Spirit. Amen? That didn't sound so confident. Amen? Sounds like we're going to have to build your faith up a little bit more in that one. All right. And so he tells them, if you'll look, we're going to skip a couple of verses here. You can read them later. Verse 7. Of chapter 10, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. See, Jesus says that a disciple is just like the master. He is inviting his disciples to partner with him in the thing that is on his heart. Is he not? He's saying, I have come to give you the kingdom You have freely received the kingdom. Forgiveness, healing, deliverance. Here's the kingdom. Receive it. Receive the kingdom. The Lord wants to bless you, wants to provide for you, wants to heal you. Receive. Receive the kingdom in its fullness. Believe God for the fullness of the gospel in your life. For what you have freely received, freely give. He's calling every believer to be a disciple, every disciple to be a minister. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. But unless you lose your life for Jesus and the gospel, you're not his. And he will not give you the things that you desire. He says if you seek to save your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life for me and the gospel, you cannot separate the man from his mission. You cannot separate, I want to know Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. I want Jesus to bless me. Amen. But what you freely receive, freely give. If you've given your life to Jesus as Lord, then you're also giving your life to his cause to reach the nations with the gospel with power. And he says, it's that person who has lost their life for me and the gospel. Oh, that person? Oh, I guarantee they'll receive a hundredfold in this life. Whatever you have lost for me, I will give it back to you 100-fold. He promises that. You seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. If you don't, that promise is not for you. And so the Lord is calling us And helping us to understand that he did not die so that a few people would be ministers of the gospel. So that a few people would go and do the work of ministry and the rest of us would just be worried about our little life. Worried about our finances. No, no, no. He has called every believer to be a disciple. Every believer to lose their life for him and for the gospel. And he promises that man, that woman who will believe me, who will give their life for the gospel, I'll provide for them in abundance. In abundance for them. He says, you lose every, every person who leaves house and wife and mom and dad and field, I'll give them a hundredfold in this life. This is his, this is his strategy, isn't it? This is his strategy to multiply himself. Here he is looking at a multitude of people. Broken on the inside because he wants to reach every single one of them. And he said, what shall we do? 
I mean, it's almost like God had a dilemma. Don't forgive me for saying it like that, but it's almost like Jesus, the Son of God becomes a human being, and then now he has a dilemma. I'm in one place at one time. Of course, it's not a dilemma because this is his eternal plan, right? He always knew that he was going to do this. That by becoming a man, he would redeem what it means to be a human being. And he would call us to become just like him and call us to partner with him. He looks out at the multitude and he says, I know what the answer is. These people need shepherds. So pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up labors. What are those labors? People, shepherds, who will go in and who will reach those multitudes. And the very next thing he does is he turns to the 12 disciples. They're not the only disciples, by the way. Every believer is a disciple. He had multi- Jesus had multitudes following him who were his disciples. These 12 were designated the 12 who became apostles, the main leaders. And he empowers them and calls them to tell the gospel with power, the full gospel. <clears throat> can, you, uh, can you even begin to imagine six billion people on the face of this earth? Probably close to five, million, five billion are not saved. They don't know Jesus. They were created by him and for him, and they need the cure of salvation, but they don't know him. Many, like in Thailand, less than 1% Christian, they don't even know him. They never even heard the gospel, what we might call an unreached people group. Can you even fathom that? No, I can't fathom that number. Can you? That's overwhelming, isn't it? 4.9 billion people, they say, do not know Jesus that he created for and died for. Can you imagine, take, take this scene where he's on a mountain and he's looking at the multitude and think about it right now. He's in heaven, right? And think about it. He looks over the whole earth. Can you imagine just the earth with me real quick? Can you imagine you got America and, and Europe and Asia and Africa and all the continents? Can you imagine? You see the geography, don't you? You've all seen a map. You've all seen a a map of the globe. You can see the map, but can you imagine six billion people in there? Can you imagine? And yet he could see every single one of them, can he? Can he? Every single one of them, he can see them. Whole cities packed with millions of people, right? Millions of people. He sees them. He knows them. And he's weeping, isn't he? He's moved with compassion. He's crying out to the Father, Father, give me the nation. Save them, Lord. He sees them. Oh, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he sees them. He sees the hurt. He sees the brokenness. Does he not know what's going on in their life? Amen? You know, I heard this recently. This is crazy. If you were to take the 4.9 billion people who don't know Jesus in this world and, and, and line them up back to chest, right? Man, a man's back right here and another man's Like literally back to chest, that close together, and you were to line them up around the world, supposing we had a bridge that went around the world, right? Line them up, 4.9 billion people. Do you know how long that line is? It's crazy. Listen to this. A line around the world like that, back to chest, would be, you'd have to go around the globe at the widest part of the globe 37.3 times around the globe. That's how many people that is, Right? And Jesus sees all of that multitude. All of that multitude. Now imagine Jesus gets in a car and starts driving down the highway as these people are lined up. Just driving. And he's looking at their face. Face after face after face after face after face after face after face, right? African, Asian, American, Latin American, you know, Mexican, Guatemalan, right? Just face after face after face after face. Do you realize how long it would take? If you were driving in the car with Jesus at 65 miles an hour, which is no, you would no, no way you'd be able to look in their face, right? At 65 miles an hour, you know how long it would take? Probably about 593 days. Almost 600 days. Two years. Two years to see every single person. That's insane. It's overwhelming. You say, oh, my goodness. Yet we were commanded to disciple the nations, weren't we? Go and make disciples of all nations. That's kind of overwhelming, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Oh, geez. What did Mark chapter 6? Can, 
can we like, is there like an easier verse? Uh, yeah, Mark chapter 16, go and preach the gospel to all creatures. You know, it's like, oh, it's like billions of people we're talking about here. What, what do we do? Pastor Dave keeps telling us that the nations are his inheritance, you know? Let me tell you, I believe that the nations, I believe we need to have love for all people so that the world can fit in our hearts, so we would believe God for every person to be saved. It says that he wills that no person would would perish. He wants everyone to be saved. We we need faith for that. We need love for that, okay? I would would pray, I pray this, that the Lord, God's, his world could fit in my heart. Does that make sense? That every person would be accepted by me, no matter no matter if, what lifestyle they have, no matter what sin they're in, no matter what nationality they are or personality, that I would love them and be patient and accept them. That's, that would be good. But can I reach a nation? That's overwhelming, right? Let's just take our, our community right here. Right here. Tens of thousands of people who don't know Jesus. Tens of thousands. It's overwhelming, isn't it? I don't even think we could get them all in one place to be able to like see them and see their faces. Does it make sense? If we were to line them up back to chest, how long would that line be? I, I, I don't know. That's a long line though, wouldn't it? Just tens of thousands of people. That's a long line. That's a long line. What are we supposed to do? Go, go to Luke chapter 15. Go to Luke chapter 15. See, Jesus has a strategy He looks out at the multitudes, doesn't he? And he knows them, does he not? Yet at the same time, what did he call them? They are like what? Sheep. Sheep without a shepherd. Do you think that he could see each one of them? He knew them by name. Listen to Luke 15. We're going to start in verse 4. I believe the Lord has a prophetic word for us, something that I think... I'm telling you, what I'm going to share with you is cutting my heart so deep. I believe the Lord is changing my life with this, me. And I believe it's going to change our church. And uh, it's absolutely amazing. It says here in verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Everyone say, the one. Did you see that? Right there. Listen to this again. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Everyone just say, the one. The one. Who are we supposed to be looking for? The one. The one. He sees the multitude, but he knows them each by name, doesn't he? And he cries out, oh, that there would be men and women that would lose their life for me and my gospel and give their life to find the one. See, he's not asking you to save everyone. You're not the Messiah. Like I said, I think we should love the whole world, believe God for every person to be saved. But what are you supposed to do? What do you do to partner with Jesus? What, are you going to feed every poor person, every homeless person? Are you going to alleviate all injustice? Some of you are wondering, what's my calling? What's my calling? What's God want me to do? I don't know. I don't know what my ministry is. I don't know what my ministry is. We wrestle with that. I don't don't mean that to mock anyone. I mean like we don't know sometimes, right? Where do I start? Dave Turner, I'll be honest with you. I want people to come to Jesus. The, the, the executive team, our, our pastoral leaders are like, Dave, what do you want? It's like, I, I'll tell you what I want. I want people to come to Jesus. I mean, like, you know, I want to disciple believers too. I want you to freely receive. I want us to freely give. But I'm telling you, I'm in my office weeping before God. God, give us the nations. You died for these people, right? I'm asking, Lord, give me your heart. Oh, he's giving, giving me his heart. Let me tell you. My heart's breaking inside. And I say, God, what do I do? What do I do? I just think about this community. I believe. I believe. Here, let me tell you. I believe the glory of God is rising on the earth. Nations are becoming his inheritance. There's revivals all over the world. Oh, I'll tell you about them. I'll tell you about some. Thousands. Millions. I mean, seriously, hundreds of millions. uh, Hundreds of millions are coming to the Lord every year. 
The glory of, the God, of God is rising. Sure, darkness is rising on the earth. There's, there's bad things that are happening, but the glory of God is rising on the earth. It's amazing. And I believe that the glory of God is going to rise in this community. I've told you before, I believe that Acts chapter 19 is our inheritance as a church. Those of you who remember that, that we are going to see a multitude of disciples in churches, that we're going to saturate this area with the gospel and see this area transform. You say, boy, that's kind of a big deal. Well, what do I do? How do I start with that? Right? And Dave Turner, Lord, what do we do? What do we do? God, I just want to reach people for you. And seriously, I just want to get everyone saved like right away, you know? You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, Lord, there's tens of thousands of people in this community. Can we just like call them all together and just preach the gospel? They get saved. You know what I'm saying? Praise God for those revival meetings and the camp things and Billy Grahams and all those kind of people. Praise God for that, you know? So what do we do, God? what does he say? David, the one, the one. Listen to what the Lord is saying. I'm telling you, just cut my heart so deep. Cut my heart so deep. Stop for the one. Love the one. Pray for the one. Reach the one. What did he say? Won't a shepherd leave the 99 to look for that one lost sheep until what? Until it's found. Jesus is looking for someone who will love like he loves and who will reach out to find that person until they're found, who will believe him for that person's salvation, believe him for that person's healing. Not just believe God for my own life, but for that other person, right? Now, now, I mean, honestly, the word shepherd just means pastor. The Lord's not saying we're all going to be pastors like in the traditional sense. Oh, I'm going to be a pastor, shepherd. I've got to like, no, 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 no. Don't think like that. He's just talking about somebody who cares, who reaches out. Look, you don't have to save the whole world. You're not the savior, you know? We don't even have to try to reach this whole city, although that's the ultimate goal. I'll be honest with you. But it always starts with what? The one. It's always asking. It's always asking you. It's always asking me to do. That we would do for the one what we wish we could do for all. That we would do for the one what Jesus is doing for every single person. That we would do for the one. Oh, I'm telling you, this is cutting my heart so deep. Do you know I was with Courtney and Rich over this vacation? Absolutely amazing. As you guys know, most of you, Courtney got into our discipleship program, Operation Saw Lives. And I'll tell you, when you flood your heart with the Word of God, it will change your life. And her life was transformed. There was major breakthroughs in her life. And, it, and, 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 and uh, Courtney and Rich, uh, those of you who don't know, uh, they had two children, but they were not married. That there had been a past. And the Lord brought healing and deliverance to Courtney in a, such a significant way, he saw it, and it ticked him off. That's what it's supposed to do. Okay? When you break that soul tie, you break that codependency, and, and he was ticked off. He was trying to find, uh, he t- literally told me later, he said, I was trying to be a Christian without Christ. Got into a bunch of new age stuff and intellectual stuff and uh, you know, my, science of the mind stuff, which honestly some of the brain stuff is oh, all cool, God made the brain, but like when that becomes your God, right? So he, and guess what, guess what we did? Guess what we did? We loved him. We befriended him. We prayed for him. We reached out to him. In fact, did I preach the gospel to him very often? Not the way you would think Dave Turner would do it, because I don't talk to uh, non-believers like I talk to you. No, I just asked him questions, listened to what he believed. I found God pursuing him. I found him on a journey, and I met him on that journey. God was pursuing him before he got saved, right? So I just met him right there, and we'd talk, and, and we would pray for him by name, take authority over things in his life. And Courtney would, when she was getting stronger, she said, you just need Jesus. And um, he just came to the end of himself, literally to the end of himself. Praise God. Absolutely the, most, the best thing anyone could do, right? To lose their life. And he comes over to our house, and 
uh, I was over at an OSL class, and Michelle and him were talking. And I was like, I know it. I know she's going to lead him to Jesus tonight. Like, you could sense it. I'll be honest with you. You can sense it. There was a war in the spirit. Like, literally, that night before and that day, I couldn't stop warring in the spirit. I mean, I could be, like, having a conversation with you. My spirit was like, oh, in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, like, it was intense. You could feel it. You could sense in the spirit. There's patient faith. Lord, I'm just believing you. I'm praying. This, this person's going to come to you. And then there's, like, oh, dude, that mountain's going down today. We could sense it in the spirit. There was this intensity. So my wife's sharing the, or just talking with him in our home. And she's like, how's that working for you? How's your, how's your life working for you? Right? And he's like, oh. so they start to pray. They start praying. As she prays, she begins to pray for him. And I'll tell you, my wife, my goodness, you know, seriously, forgive me. When my wife gets like authority in Jesus, like it just turned me on. All right, there you go. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. Is that like a bad word to use? I'm not really sure, but no, seriously, seriously, no joke, no joke. If you got like, seriously, if like there's like a demon or something like that and you're like, hey, can you, my wife would just be like, what? What, take that thing out? You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, it's like, whoa, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. But she's not, she's not, right? She's just Michelle, right? We all know, just, we're just normal people, just like everyone else. Michelle, He's praying for Rich, and she just goes, you know, and I just, just real, you know, gentle. I bind Satan right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. The moment she bound that demon, Rich literally goes, what do I I need to do to get saved? What do I need to do? She leads him to Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Complete deliverance right there. Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. He was like, I came alive. I mean, everything turned to color, right? I get back. I run to my house. (sighs) Oh, he's already, already saved. Dang it. No. (laughs) Nice. I was I was I was kind of bummed, but I sit down with him at that kitchen table. Guess what I did? Guess what I did? Immediately, what did I do? Immediately, Rich, can I open the Word of God with you? Can I show you? He said, Dave, what do I do now? Do you like do you like keep the Ten Commandments? What do you do? I go, no. Let me tell you what it is. And I walked him through what Galatians. I walked him through what we teach in our discipleship. Right right off the bat, no, you're you're a new creation. No sin's gone. Like, you're not starting from zero. You're starting from 100. You're righteous in Christ. He's like, whoa, the pressure's off. I go, amen. So what do I do? What do I do? I go, you become like Jesus by being like Jesus, or being with Jesus. He produces his character in you as you give yourself to the word of God. He's like, all right. He has begun to consume the word of God. What did did I do? I called him two times that week. What did I do? For two weeks, for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, what am I? I'm in his life. I'm in his grill, right? In his face. How are you doing? What's going on? ministering him, discipling him, getting rooted. We got him in level one OSL, got him rooted. He started growing in the Lord. That's what you do. You care. You know, you don't like, a woman doesn't give birth to a child and go, take care of yourself now. Right? So we spent time. Now he's been saved for about a year. We went down, had some vacation. Oh man, let me tell you, it was ironing, sharpening iron. I was encouraged and strengthened. I spoke. We talked about everything from marriage to word studies. I mean, I just, I literally like just downloaded on him. Am I still ministering to him and discipling him? Yeah, but let me tell you, he is strong in the Lord. He is leading his family. He's walking in the grace of God. He's believing God. He had this prophetic word for this lady. It was so, I was like, would you get her address too? You know, it was spot on details and everything. This man is moving the past. He's loving his family. He's being a spiritual leader. He's believing. He's in the word. I mean, they wake up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., read the word of God together. He's listening to the word, flooding his heart. He's doing what a disciple does. He's growing in the Lord. And oh my goodness, is the Lord giving him opportunities to share his faith. I was so blessed watching him. He, his neighbor comes over. His neighbor used to be standoffish to him. Now his neighbor, he just, neighbor walks right in with a beer in his hand, sits down at the kitchen table, and we have a conversation with his neighbor. His neighbor's just opening, seriously, Rich is getting these divine appointments all over the place. You go, oh, that's just God. That's just God, divine appointments. He meets a man in a, he meets a gang member in a bathroom, invites him to a Bible study. Oh yeah, that's a divine appointment. No, that's a man who saw an open door and ran through it. Check this out. Then randomly, randomly, the gang member's riding his bike down whose street? Rich's street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's called a divine appointment, right? That's Jesus setting it up. But does Rich go, oh, well, that's funny. He's just riding. Oh, yeah. Well, Lord, just draw him. What does Rich do? 
runs down the street. Hey, 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 this is where my house is. Come to, you can come. Next week he came. Why? Why? I, tell, I think Rich it will, will probably plant churches, but what did I tell Rich when we were talking? Rich, start with the one. Do what you're doing. Reach them, disciple them, invite them to your house, start a church. I mean, I built up his faith. Do it, do it. Start with the one. Start with the one. This is what Rich told me, though. I've been praying about this. The Lord has been speaking to me about the one. And listen to what he told me. There's a gentleman named Donald, Donald McGavern. He's in heaven right now, man of God. He's called the father of church growth. Now, I don't mean, if any of you have heard the word church growth, you might think, oh, you mean like that, you know, secret sin. No, 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 no. Church growth, as in just reaching people for Jesus. Okay, he's the father of church growth. Not the bad stuff, not the selfish Western stuff. No, I mean Donald McGavin. He studied the book of Acts. He studied missions. He studied missionaries. He studied churches. And what he was looking at was conversion growth, kingdom growth. People coming to the Lord and churches that grew and movements that grew because people were coming to Jesus. Okay, he studied this. The father of it. Listen to what Donald McGavin says. He actually says a lot of things. There's some powerful stuff. It's cut me to the heart. Donald McGavin said this. He said, we studied all these different churches that grew the right way, you know, Jesus' way, reaching people for him, discipling them, movements, church planning. He said, they have lot, they're all different. They all have different styles, different ministries. None are the same. There's no model. There's no gimmick. You know what I'm saying? We're talking different cultures, different, all that stuff. Okay, right? You, you get the point. He says, we found one thing that was the same. One thing. Want to know what the one thing is? They prayed for lost people by name. What happens when you believe that what you say will happen? What did we just learn today in worship? What did we just minister to the Lord in worship? If you say to the mountain, be removed, and you what? Do not doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you, the things you say will happen? What happened? It will be done for you, right? I've been learning to pray for things very, very specifically. I found that you have to speak to that mountain. You need to speak to that demon. You need to speak to that job. You need to tell God what you want very, very specifically. I've been learning this in my own life, just like little things. It's hilarious. I'll tell you some stories. Hilarious. I'm learning this. Just ask God. And the Lord's been teaching us, just reach the one. And then I heard, that, I heard that thing from Donald McGavern. He's absolutely right. You pray for those people by name. You say, but Dave, I'm so scared. Dave, I don't know how to share the gospel. Dave this, Dave that. I, I, I haven't been baptized in the Spirit yet. You know, oh, I got... No, 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 just stop, stop, right? All you need to do, freely receive, freely give, all you need to do is come be with the Lord. Imagine yourself driving in the car with Jesus. We'll, we'll end with this. Get in the car with Jesus. 4.9 billion people, right? You're driving down the road. You're driving down the road. You're just seeing face after face after face after face after face after face. I don't know who these people are. This is absolutely overwhelming, right? What happens when he slows the car? He slows the car. Imagine right now, just face after face after face after face after face. You're driving in the car with the Lord. And he stops the car. He goes, look over there. Oh, wait a minute. That's Bob. That's Bob. That, that's my neighbor. And what? And Jesus begins to tell you. You know, Bob? He's really broken. He feels alone, like nobody loves him. He begins to talk to you about Bob. You see his face, right? And you go, he drives a little bit further. And you go, there, there, there's George, my best friend. And Jesus says, yeah, he's your best friend, and he doesn't know me. And unless he accepts me, won't go to heaven. And he talks to you about the one, the one, and all that he asks you to do. Pray for them by name. Love the one. Pray for the one. Stop for the one. 
You ask God for their salvation by name. Ask God for open doors. And when he opens a door, you run through that. You run down the street like Ridge. You go right into that conversation. Because you'll find it's really very simple. Once you put yourself in a place where you've asked God, he will do it. Literally, if you will ask God specifically, he will do it. I guarantee you ask God, you need a job, you ask him specifically for that job, he will give it to you. And it's the same thing with someone's salvation. He is looking for someone to believe him and to pray. And so what the Lord is calling us to do is, 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 is reach the one. It could be two or three people, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, a friend, that you would say, and this is the, this is the, here's, the, here's the rubber meets the road. Can you write their name down right now? I bet you can. If I said, oh, this week, go invite people, you'd be like, I don't really know anyone. That's kind of scary. Fine, that's fine. That's fine. But if I said, do you know people who don't know the Lord? Can you pray for them? You can pray for them, can you, right? And so the Lord is asking us to pray, to love, to reach the one, and to go after them, to pursue them with him until they're found. Amen? For the one. Um, You know, I look forward to telling you some more powerful stuff that God's doing in this church. We've been crying out for an outreach strategy. Basically what I've been sharing with you a little bit right now. The Lord has transformed the way we view stuff. I've been declaring prophetically what God has called this church to be and to do for like five years, but I've never felt more crystal clear about it than right now. And there's some changes that were, not necessarily changes, um, things that we're going to begin to implement. And in fact, even invite you to embrace that will cause us to be more what God has always called us to be and to do. To be a church that receives and a church that gives. I'll explain more of that later. I'll kind of lay out the strategy for you another day. But I'll tell you, uh, let me just say one thing. Sam Harbor in the back there at the, at the media. Sam Harbor has now said yes to being our outreach coordinator. Yeah, amen. And we're committed to equipping God's saints for the work of the ministry. Everyone's called, right, to reach the one. And there are some things that the Lord's going to be calling us to that we corporately would embrace the gospel of power, both to receive and to give, and that we would as life groups embrace that, and we as individuals would embrace that. And so the Lord's going to be giving us some strategies. The Lord has spoken to us. In fact, Tom's word a couple weeks ago, he said that God has opened a door and no man will be able to shut it. I believe primarily that door, although it might be like two or three things, the Lord has opened a door and he's saying, now is the time. You go through that door. I've given you a strategy, right? And the Lord's calling us, do for the one what you wish you could do for all. You start with the one. Can we do that? Let's go ahead and stand. And I appreciate your, your faith. I appreciate your hunger to do what God has called you to do. You know, some of you here, you might not know the Lord. And, and if you don't know Jesus, it's as simple as surrendering to his lordship by saying... I believe that you died for my sin, you rose from the grave, and that I, I declare Jesus is my Lord. It, some, some of us here, there might be some areas of repentance of, of where you really need to repent, but, but what I sense in my spirit as I speak to you, my family, I love you, and I love that God is growing us together. What I see is that you're hungry, that you're responsive, that you're ready, that you're going to dive in. I see that. I see that in your heart. And so though, 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 though we're all at different places, We're all saying yes to the Lord. Amen?